your Locked on the New York Rangers, your daily podcast on the New York Rangers. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 405 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. You need more hockey news, and Locked On NHL is here to fill the gap. It's our daily podcast on everything happening in the leagues. Subscribe each day and listen for a quick look at the biggest stories and game recaps every day. Subscribe to Locked On NHL today, wherever you get your podcasts. And we got a ton to talk about today. What else is new on Locked On New York Rangers? But we're just going to dive right into it here. We're going to be talking a little bit about Brandon Offman, who was obviously the Rangers' first round selection in the draft that just occurred. We also get into the winners and losers of the Pavel Buchnevich trade. I got a couple written down for each category. And then finally, we will dive into the New York Rangers schedule, talk about some of the intricacies, some of the uh, more interesting matchups and the more interesting stretches of the Rangers schedule. But like I just mentioned, we are going to begin with Brennan Othman. Once again, the Rangers take him at number, what I'm calling number 15 overall. I know technically it's number 16 because the Coyotes forfeited their pick, but bottom line, he was the 15th player off the board. He is of the OHL's Flint Firebirds, and for a while on Locked On New York Rangers here, we were really trying to figure out what the Rangers could end up doing with this pick, and the first question that had to be answered was, would they keep this pick and use it to select a player that they like, which is obviously what they ended up doing, or would they trade this pick and kind of make it as part of a bundle to acquire a known NHL commodity, somebody who is kind of established in the league and somebody who could be had for maybe a nice package of players, you know, this draft pick, a couple of players, a couple of prospects, whatever it might be, bring in a superstar player, whether that's Jack Eichel or Mark Shifley or, you know, anybody else that might be out there might be available for the taking on the trade market. Bottom line, the Rangers didn't do any of that. They used this pick to select Brandon Offman, once again, a left winger from the OHL's Flint Firebirds. And we actually did an episode a little more than a week ago, I believe it was. We have an episode that's entitled Draft Talk, focusing in on sniper Brandon Offman. And in that episode, we talked about Brandon Offman as being one of the candidates who the Rangers could take with this selection here. And of course, that's what they end up doing. If you want some more thoughts on Brandon Offman, when this episode's done, you can go back and listen to that one. We talk about him quite a bit in that episode. And I'm going to do my best not to repeat too much of what I said there. I mean, some overlap is kind of inevitable, but... The bottom line is Brandon Offman. I think this is a really nice pick for the Rangers. Were there a couple guys that I would have preferred instead of Offman with this number 15 overall pick? Yes, there were. We will get to that in just a second. Uh, but I do think this is uh, a good fit for the Rangers. He's somebody who has some offensive upside. He's got, by all accounts, an absolutely lethal shot. The general consensus among scouts is that he has one of the best shots of any player available in the draft this season. And on top of that, a very physical player. And that's kind of been the Rangers' MO this offseason. They want to add more physicality. They want to add more toughness. They want to become a more difficult team to play against. And that's what they've been doing. You look at Barclay Goodrow, you look at Sammy Blay, and now you look at this uh, draft pick here in Brennan Offman. All three of those guys bring physicality to the table, and by Offman's own admission, he's somebody that likes to go out there and mix it up, get under people's skin a little bit, get in their heads a little bit. Uh, he considers himself a scorer, but somebody who also brings uh, some toughness and physicality to the table as well, and that's always an intriguing and fun blend. He was asked to, uh, during a press conference or a mini interview, whatever you want to call it, 
he was asked by one of the Ranger reporters if there's any player or players in the NHL that he kind of could compare himself to. And often, he was quick with this one. He compared himself to Matthew Kachuk. And as any of you guys probably know, I mean, Matthew Kachuk, one of the more profound agitators in the game, but somebody who also has a lot of offensive skill as well. And often kind of mentioned that, you know, Kachuk is a guy that you love to have on your team, but you hate playing against him. And often kind of considers himself to be in that mold. He also compared himself to Kyle Connor of the Winnipeg Jets. Connor is also a scorer, just loves playing the game, has a lot of passion. Othman also mentioned when he was asked about playing with Kako and Lafreniere that he's really looking forward to getting a chance to play with both of those guys. As far as what not to like about this pick, I mean, for me, it's really just the fact that once again, the Rangers, it looked like they were all teed up to take a center in the first round of the NHL draft for the second straight season and address a position of relative weakness. I know that going into this season, it doesn't look so bad with Mika and Strom and Goudreau and Rooney, but you got to keep in mind three out of those four are impending unrestricted free agents at the end of the season. Now there's even rumors that Ryan Strom's name is coming up in trade talks. So center does still seem to be a position that the Rangers are going to need to address long term. And they did not do it here with their first round draft pick when there were a lot of centers that were still available and guys that I think would have been really nice fits for the Rangers. And the next three picks after the Rangers took Offman were indeed all centers. And once again, guys that I think uh, there was a lot to like about, uh, right after the Rangers, you had Zach Boldue going to the St. Louis Blues. He's Alexi Lafreniere's old teammate, so that would have been at least an option. We talked about him a little bit on this show. Chaz Lucius then went to the Winnipeg Jets. We didn't really talk about him a whole lot, but, you know, hearing what I heard about him on draft night, you know, the coverage of this draft, I, I think that he probably would have been a fit for the Rangers as well. And then my guy, Fedor Svechkov, went to the Nashville Predators. Of all the players available coming into this draft, of all the guys that we thought were going to be available at number 15 or number 16 or whatever you want to call it for the New York Rangers, Fedor Svechkov was my top choice, a defense first forward and a guy who can chip in a little bit offensively and a guy that offers a lot of position versatility given the fact that he can play and excel at all three forward positions. So I loved Svechkov. The Rangers went in a different direction. They took Offman and didn't take a center at all. You know, Offman's obviously a left winger. As far as I can tell, Offman is exclusively a left winger. So I mean, really, I, I like the pick. It's just the fact that there were a couple other guys that I think I would have liked a little bit more, uh, and namely guys that played center that I think would have been good picks as well. The Rangers did somewhat make up for this. They took a pair of centers with their next two picks in the draft. They used the first pick of the third round to select Jaden Grube at number 65 overall. That pick originally belonged to the Buffalo Sabres, but the Rangers actually received that selection in the deal a couple years ago that sent Jimmy Vesey to the Buffalo Sabres. And then just 10 picks later, the Rangers use another third round draft pick, number 75 overall to take Ryder Korczak. He is also a center. Uh, the Rangers actually traded up to get Korczak in this spot here. And we will eventually go through this entire draft class and talk about all these guys in more detail, but there's just so much to get through here. Uh, given everything that's happening around this Rangers, the Buchnevich trade, and of course, impending free agency, which is going to be just a free-for-all like it always is as soon as it starts on Wednesday here. But, you know, getting back to Offman for a quick second here to kind of just put a bow on this. Something else that I really found interesting, uh, I learned this from an outstanding article by Molly Walker from The Post, is that Offman, about three years ago at the age of 15, was really kind of struggling with his confidence and had fallen into some bad habits as far as his skating is concerned and scouts were just generally down on him. And his family encouraged Offman to reunite with his old skating coach, Lisa Clark. Uh, he took lessons from her when he was as young as five years old, and it sounds like she really had a positive influence on him when he was growing up. And when he reconnected with Lisa Clark, 
you know, just not too long ago, just three years ago, it sounds like she once again had a really good influence on him, really helped him with his skating. Uh, Offman, that is a, considered a weakness for him. He's not really considered one of the better skaters in this year's draft, but it sounds like she at least helped him improve in that area and got him to a point where it's not a red flag, if nothing else. But this is what Offman had to say about Clark. He wrote this in a testimonial on Lisa Clark's website. She made me smile every day. She made me want to go to power skating. Let's admit it, most people dread power skating or skating with new pucks. Every time I was on the ice with Lisa, my desire and confidence grew more and more. And then finally, Lisa said, Brennan, I want you to believe in yourself as much as I do. And really, we could go on and on about this all day. Like I said, it's a fantastic article. I highly encourage all of you to check it out. But the long and short of it, for you know the purposes of this episode here, we do have some other things we got to get into. Uh, they were very close. Sounds like she had a tremendous influence on him, a positive influence on him from an early age, and she kind of helped him get back on track. She really helped him with his skating as well as just his overall confidence and got his hockey career going again is basically what it sounds like. But yeah, definitely check out the article. I can't even do it justice on here. Uh, do make time to read that. Uh, one other note that I wanted to point out, out here is that the Rangers almost, I mean, I can't say this for sure. There's there's no way of knowing for sure what the Rangers were going to do with their pick had it not been for other things happening in front of him. But it sounds like the Rangers were genuinely considering Sebastian Casa. Casa is a six foot six goalie, and by all accounts, scouts seem to agree one of the premier goalies available in this year's draft class. In fact, he was the first goalie off the board in this year's draft, and Detroit actually traded up. They did a deal with the Stars. The Red Wings got pick number 15. The Stars got picks 23, 48, and 138, and the Red Wings got their guy. And that makes sense if you're a Red Wings fan. I think the Red Wings are a team that's definitely looking for a franchise goalie, although they did just trade for Nijelkovic, so who knows. But they've got some options going forward. It looks like they've kind of solidified their goalie situation. But I got a question for you guys. Why in the world would the Rangers use their first-round pick to take a goalie? That does not make any sense for me. And again, we don't know 100% sure that that's what the Rangers were going to do here. There are rumors that they were uh, really infatuated with Sebastian Casa. But when you've got a franchise goalie in place with Igor Shesterkin and you've got other areas on your team to address, I don't see the point of taking a goalie in the first round. So let me just be the first to say, maybe not even the first to say, but let me just be somebody to say, thank you, Detroit Red Wings, from saving the Rangers from what I think would have been a mistake because I would have been really, really upset if the Rangers, not just Casa, but if they would have taken any goalie with their first round pick. There are other areas to address, and that goes double when you consider the fact that the Rangers did not have a second round pick in this year's draft. You gotta, You got to nail it with that first-round pick of yours. And I don't think picking a goalie is the way to do it, especially when you've got Igor Shesterkin in place. I mean, we could talk about the backup goalie all we want, but you can find a veteran backup around the league. And, and you know, Alex Georgiev is still there. And I just don't see the point in taking a goalie with your first-round selection when you've got your franchise goalie in place. That's basically the long and short of it. But we're going to go ahead and move on and talk about some of the winners and losers in the trade that sent Pavel Buchnevich to St. Louis in exchange for Sammy Blay and a second-round draft pick. We will do that in just a second. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store 
or new car dealership. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, so as promised, wanted to talk quickly about some of what I consider to be the biggest winners and losers of this Pavel Buchnevich deal that sends Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues in exchange for Sammy Blay and a second-round pick next season. But the first thing I wanted to do was read an Instagram post from Pavel Buchnevich. I'm sure some of you have seen this by now and probably read it. It's kind of making its rounds on social media. But for those of you who may not have had a chance to see it just yet, this is what Buchnevich had to say. It's basically just a letter saying goodbye to the New York Ranger fans on Instagram. He posted a picture of himself uh, waving to the crowd at Madison Square Garden. And in the background, there's actually a good handful of young fans there kind of leaning over the railing and, you know, trying to get his attention. And I'm noticing now that one of the young fans has a Brennan Lemieux sign, so that's kind of sad because Buchnevich and Brennan Lemieux are both gone now. Uh, but this is what Buchnevich had to say. This is his full message to New York Ranger fans. I'm off to St. Louis, but it was an amazing five years in New York. Thank you to my teammates and coaches for your friendship and for helping me become the player I am today. But most of all, thank you to the great Rangers fans. I've seen all of your messages and comments wishing me good luck and saying thanks, but I want to thank you. You made this city feel like home. I'll miss you, but it's not goodbye. It's see you soon. Uh, yeah, obviously a really heartfelt goodbye from Pavel Buchnevich, and it is tough to say goodbye. It is tough to move on. Uh, he was a popular player for the most part, and somebody who was improving year after year after year that he was here with the Rangers. And again, this trade to me is still kind of a thumbs down. It's not one that's going to make me throw things around my living room. I can at least understand this trade, but if it were up to me, this trade would not have been made and Pavel Buchnevich would still be a New York Ranger right now. But as promised, I want to get into a couple of winners and losers from this trade. This is obviously just a very preliminary list because we don't even know for sure if the Rangers are done wheeling and dealing this season. But as this team stands now, I've got two winners and two losers, but let's actually do the losers first as far as, you know, players who might be negatively impacted by this move on the New York Rangers. This is something that could probably be its own episode, but again, there's so much going on that we're going to have to squeeze it into one segment here. But for starters, I hesitate to even say this first one, this first loser from this deal, but I'm actually going to throw out Mika Zibanejad. And the reason for this is we have seen Mika Zibanejad, a lot like Buchnevich, just simply get better and better and better every single season that he's been a Ranger. This past season, notwithstanding, of course, but I think that was mostly due to the fact that he was still recovering from COVID for the entire first half of the season. He was back to being the Mika that we all know and love by the end of the season. But the reason why I think he might be kind of a loser from this deal is you think about his development on the New York Rangers and you think about how he's become truly one of the elite centers in this league. He's done nearly all of that with Chris Kreider on the left wing and Pavel Buchnevich on the right wing. And of course, you know, they they shuffle the deck every now and then. They mix and match. Every once in a while, we'll see Panarin and Zibanejad on the top line uh, every now and then. You know, Kravtsov was even getting into the top line a little bit last year. Uh, Kako's been there at times. But for the most part, with Mika Zibanejad, once again, just getting better and better and better and becoming a superstar, he did nearly all of that with Chris Kreider on the left wing and Pavel Buchnevich on the right wing. And now, 
you trade Buchnevich, and it seems like Kreider might be ticketed for the third line next season. We don't know that for sure, but it looks like we might be looking at a top line of Alexi Lafreniere, Mika Zibanejad, and Capo Caco. Now, on one hand, Mika Zibanejad has a chance to center a line with two of the brightest young prospects in hockey, guys who went number two overall in the draft in Caco's case and number one overall in the draft in Lafreniere's case. And so that's not necessarily a bad thing. But again, you know, Mika really clicked with Kreider and he really clicked with Pavel Buchnevich this past season. It was poetry in motion watching those two set each other up for goals. It was really a beautiful thing. And now Mika's going into this next season, still centering the top line, but with two different line mates. And, you know, maybe maybe Kreider and Mika end up back together at some point and they rediscover the magic that they've shown at times over these past few seasons. But Buchnevich is gone. So He's not going to have Vucinavich with him, and I just think, you know, you have Mika Zibanejad as this superstar center, and you've now basically, at least on paper, taken away both of his wings, the two wings that he played with that, you know, he became a superstar playing with. So that's unfortunate for Mika Zibanejad. I think that he'll do just fine with Alexi Lafreniere and Capo Caco, and those two players might very well benefit from playing with Mika Zibanejad, but it's hard not to look at that and kind of just scratch your head a little bit. And it's just like, man, you know, Mika just lost both of his wingers, most likely. Again, Kreider could be there uh, at times, but yeah, Mika loses his right winger in Pavel Buchnevich. The other loser that I think uh, comes out of this situation is going to be Chris Jury because there's a lot of opinions on social media right now. And, you know, there's a lot of Ranger fans that have voiced their opinion on this Pavel Buchnevich trade. Like a lot of you, my biggest issue is not so much that Pavel Buchnevich was traded. It's that the trade that they made does not really make them a better player, or a better team, excuse me. It probably makes them a worse team. And I like Sammy Blay. He's an interesting player to me. But you just gave away, once again, we talked about this in yesterday's episode, your top line right winger for a guy who is probably going to play exclusively on the fourth line. And if you're Chris Jury, yes, you have made your team more physical this offseason, more difficult to play against, and that's something that a lot of us wanted. But are the Rangers a better team right now than they were when this offseason started? I'm not so sure they are. And of course, they've added Barclay Goodrow. They've also added Sammy Blay, but they lost Pavel Buchnevich. So they are a more physical team, and that's something that we wanted. But man, I mean, Buchnevich, again, a player trending in the right direction, seemed to have a, a nice career trajectory. Maybe he has hit his ceiling, but even if he has, he's still a rock-solid player. And you're now going to be without Pavel Buchnevich for this upcoming season. And I realize it's kind of apples and oranges comparing players like Goudreau and Blay to Buchnevich, but... Even with all that said, I'm not convinced that the Rangers right now have a better roster, even with the additions of Goodrow and Blay, than they did last season when they had Buchnevich on this team. And Drury has a chance to kind of make good with Ranger fans if they go out in free agency or if they make some kind of another trade to make this team better. But if this is the roster that the Rangers go into the season with, then I think it's a big strike against Chris Drury because you basically just had a salary dump with Pavel Buchnevich and you didn't take advantage of the newly created cap space to bring in somebody else to make this team better. There has to be another move here if you're Chris Drury. If there's not, then you know he becomes a uh, big loser in this trade of Pavel Buchnevich to the St. Louis Blues. But we're going to get into the winners in just a second here. Save the best for last. We're always glass half full on this show and we will talk about the winners of this Pavel Buchnevich trade in just a second here. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, 
and all your UFC MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their run to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, let's go ahead and dive into some of the biggest winners of this Pavel Buchnevich trade. Uh, for starters, just two here for today. Like I said, we got to move quickly through this because I want to get into the Ranger schedule as well. Uh, but let's start with Vitaly Kravtsov. If you guys remember, Kravtsov really was kind of all over the Ranger lineup last season when he eventually made his debut. I mean, he was on the fourth line, and then in the middle of the game, they'd move him up to the second line, and then the third line, and he'd be just all over the place. And that was kind of by design. Uh, David Quinn really kind of used him as a swingman. And even though... Kravtsov would often start games on the fourth line. I think it was always part of the Ranger game plan to kind of mix him in with some other lines as the game continued. I had mixed feelings on that. On one hand, it's kind of fun and kind of cool to see him out there with all these different lines and all these different players on the Rangers and get an opportunity to play with everybody. But by that same token, you've got somebody who's a rookie who's making his NHL debut in the middle of a season, which is tough enough as it is. Now you're moving up and down the lineup and all over the place and trying to build chemistry with these guys and your head's probably spinning. You're probably just trying to remember uh, what line you're supposed to be on for your next shift. And, you know, I'm sure that was not an easy situation for Vitaly Krasov. But I like what I saw from Krasov. I know it didn't really show up with his offensive numbers, but every time this guy had the puck on his stick, I just remember feeling like he looks dangerous. You know, he's, he's a very crafty puck handler, and I just had a feeling that something good was going to happen when he had the puck, and I feel like this season we could really see a breakout campaign from Vitaly Kravtsov. We'll see how it goes, but I think he's a winner from this trade in that now right wing kind of opens up a little bit, and as far as the top six is concerned, it's looking pretty obvious that the top two guys are going to be Capo Caco and Vitaly Kravtsov. I would imagine Kako would probably be on the first line along with Zibanejad and maybe Lafreniere. And then Kravtsov would be on that second line. And that's a great place to be if you're a player on the New York Rangers because you get to play with Ryan Strom and more notably Artemi Panarin. And I don't care who you are. I mean, we've seen guys, we've seen kind of a revolving door on that second line right wing spot. But there have been guys that are not known as, you know, point getters and goal scorers, whatever you want to call it. We've seen them really kind of have an uptick in offensive production. Guys like Jesper Foss when he was here, I mean, he basically took the bull by the horns and held on to that second line right winger spot for the entire final season that he was a New York Ranger. And he really excelled alongside Artemi Panarin and Ryan Stroman. Foss is somebody that for the vast majority of his career has been a bottom six forward. And then this past season, Colin Blackwell, who was, of course, just selected by the Seattle Kraken. I mean, this guy couldn't stick in the NHL for really his entire career. You know, he had a little bit of playing time with the National Predators, but this was the first time that he really became an NHL regular. And we saw what he did with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strome, became a very useful player. Uh, he did tail off a little bit toward the end of the season, but he held his own and kept up with the pace of play, you know, out there with Artemi Panarin and Ryan Strome. And so, you know, you take somebody like Vitaly Kravtsov, who it would appear has loads more upside and loads more talent than either of those two players I just mentioned, Foss or Blackwell, and it's no disrespect to either of those two players, but I think just about anybody, any scout or anybody in hockey would tell you that Krasov is the one with a higher ceiling out of all those players that I just mentioned, and now he's going to be on the second line, presumably playing with Ryan Strom and Artemi Panarin, so that's a great spot for him to land, and that makes him a big winner of this trade, and the other guy that I want to throw out there is Julian Gauthier, because, and listen, I'm not sure if 
Gautier is even going to be on this team next season. I could see him possibly being moved in a trade because even after this trade of Buchnevich, the Rangers would seem to have a surplus of wingers, and that doesn't even take into account the fact that Barclay Goodrow can play the wing and that Philip Heedle might be better suited to play the wing, and, and Heedle very well could end up lining up at right wing for this Ranger team going into this upcoming season now that they've got Goodrow to center the third line. But... Gautier at least now has a puncher's chance of kind of working his way into the top nine because as we've talked about on here, there's no point in putting Gautier on the fourth line. Nothing about his skill set says fourth liner. At least now, he'll have a chance going into training camp to compete for a top nine role. We'll see if he can take advantage of it or if he's even still on the Rangers at that point because like I said, I could see him potentially being trade bait as well, just kind of being the odd man out. But at least now he's got a puncher's chance. So I think Gautier uh, a winner from this trade as well. But let's go ahead and talk about the recently released New York Rangers schedule. I do not believe a preseason schedule has been announced as of yet. Uh, but as for the regular season, the New York Rangers will start with a matchup on the road against the Washington Capitals on Wednesday, October 13th. As we mentioned in yesterday's episode, you know, we just kind of glossed over the Rangers schedule. This does not seem like an accident. It's a great rivalry game to begin with. And when you consider everything that happened between these two teams with the whole Tom Wilson debacle and the NHL just royally messing up as far as any potential discipline for Tom Wilson, yeah, it's not an accident that this is the first game. I think emotions are really going to run high that night, and we could even see a fight or two when that game happens. I should also mention that the NHL's regular season begins the night before the Rangers' opening night. That will be Tuesday, October 12th. You get a pair of games on tap for that evening. You get the Kraken at the Knights, and you've got the Penguins at the Lightning. So two intriguing matchups there. Uh, but then as for the Rangers, like we mentioned, they start with the Caps Wednesday, October 13th. They will then be back in action the following night on Thursday, October 14th. That will be their home opener against the Dallas Stars. So that's kind of strange right out of the gate to begin with there. I mean, I suppose everybody's fresh and, you know, it's not like this is late in the season when, you know, guys are all banged up and they could use an extra day off. But to begin the season with a back-to-back, -back, especially one away and one at home, that does seem a little bit odd to me. Uh, it should also be noted that the Rangers will kick off their regular season by playing four games in just six days. So again, it's a loaded schedule. They're gonna have to hit the ground running and really come out strong. And another note to kind of build on that, five of the Rangers' first six games will be on the road. You got at Capitals, home against the Stars. We already mentioned both of those two games. Then you go at Canadians, at Leafs, at Predators, and at Senators. So the Rangers are going to have to be road warriors in the early portions of the season. They will then have their first ever matchup against the Seattle Kraken in Seattle on Halloween night. So that's actually perfect. You know, those of you with kids, you guys can get your trick-or-treating done early, get home in time to watch the Rangers and the Kraken. Uh, there's no announced time for this game, but I would imagine since it's West Coast, it would be a little bit later. Uh, then again, it is a Sunday, so maybe it's during the middle of the day. Who knows? But that will be the Rangers' first ever matchup against the Seattle Kraken. Something else that is just beyond strange is the fact that the Rangers do not play a division opponent until they go up against the Devils on Sunday, November 14th. That is their 15th game of the season. So we have to wait 15 games to see the Rangers play a division opponent I mean, on one hand, maybe that'll be refreshing because all they did was play division opponents this past season, but still very strange. Uh, and then after they play the Devils on Sunday, November 14th, there's another four out-of-division games in a row until the Rangers play their second division game that will be at the Islanders on Wednesday, November 24th. So we're going to get to Thanksgiving with the Rangers having only played two division opponents at that point. And this kind of leads me into my next talking point. The NHL has set up a schedule where teams only play their division opponents four times a piece, 
And at first glance, this is kind of disappointing. I just think division matchups are fun. But when you think about it a little bit more, you realize that the Rangers might actually benefit from this because I do think for the second year in a row, the Rangers will be in the toughest division in the NHL. So to get some games against teams like the Coyotes and teams like the Kings and teams like the Sharks, teams that have struggled over these past few seasons, the Ducks definitely come to mind, uh, the Sabres. Yeah, that could actually benefit the Rangers because I could see very easily a situation where five teams from the Metro make the playoffs and maybe the Rangers are one of the last one or two teams into the playoffs. Maybe they end up with one of those wildcard spots. So I think fewer division matchups is actually a win for the Rangers. And especially when you consider how much they struggled against the Islanders this past year, they'll only have to play them four times this upcoming season. The Rangers will have a game on New Year's Eve that will be at Tampa Bay. They will then host the Tampa Bay Lightning two days after that on January 2nd. And that's going to be an interesting two-game set there because I think it's a situation where it could be a really good barometer for where the Rangers are. And we don't know what the Ranger record is going to be there, but it could be a situation where you know the Rangers are off to a good start. And if they can get two or three or maybe even all four of those points against the Lightning and play them competitively in both games, then that might be the moment where people around the league start to say, yeah, this team is for real. You know, It's all going to depend on how the Rangers are playing leading into those two games, but very, very intriguing two games set there against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. There is also an Olympic break that is built into the schedule. The Rangers will play at home against the Florida Panthers on February 1st, but they will not play another game until February 24th at home against the Washington Capitals. Uh, But the Rangers, it would appear at least, have a very easy schedule heading into that Olympic break. Their last six games heading into the break in order are home against the Coyotes, home against the Kings, at the Blue Jackets, home against the Wild, home against the Kraken, and home against the Panthers. Only two of those teams made the playoffs last season, and both of those teams were eliminated in the first round. And of those six games that I just mentioned, five of them will be at Madison Square Garden. So there's a real opportunity for the Rangers there, wherever they are in the standings, to really close out with some authority there heading into the Olympic break. And then I also just wanted to take a look at how the Rangers season will wrap up, specifically the final seven games. Five of the seven will be at home, but these are not easy opponents for the most part. You've got home against the Red Wings, home against the Jets, at the Islanders, at the Bruins, home against the Bruins, home against the Hurricanes, and then the season finale will be at home against the Capitals on April 29th. And so if the Rangers are in a spot where they're kind of a fringe playoff team and they need to win some games down the stretch, they're really going to have to earn it because those are that is not an easy schedule right there. I mean, Detroit, you know, they're still kind of in the process of a rebuild. The Jets could kind of go either way, but those other teams, man, I mean, you expect them to uh, be playoff teams next season. I don't see any reason to think that the Islanders won't be back in the playoffs. The Bruins won't be back in the playoffs. The Hurricanes, the Capitals, I, I feel like they're just going to be there. Those are teams you would all expect to be in the postseason. So, yeah, going to be gut check time down the stretch for the Rangers. And again, if they're in the middle of a playoff push, then they're going to have to play well against some really quality opponents in those final seven games there. And then just a couple of quick rapid fire notes here to uh, kind of close out today's episode. We will get to the rest of the Ranger draft class today. Obviously, we talked about Offman. We will get to every single player that the Rangers selected in this year's draft, although it might have to wait until after the dust from free agency settles. That's just kind of the nature of the beast. There's so much going on right now, but we will eventually talk about every single player of this Ranger draft class. The other news, of course, is that Tony D'Angelo has been bought out. He will be an unrestricted free agent, free to sign anywhere he wants as soon as free agency begins. I don't think there's really a whole lot else to say there. We've covered that story from just about every angle, but we'll at least mention when, if and when Tony D'Angelo signs with another team. And Mark Stahl, former New York Ranger defenseman, has re-signed with the Detroit Red Wings on a one-year deal worth $2 million. It's cool that he wanted to be back there and that they had desire to bring him back as well. Good for Mark Stahl. 
I think the Rangers were absolutely in the right to trade him when they did and kind of go in a different direction, but it is cool to see that he's kind of found a home in Detroit, and it sounds like Detroit uh, really values his leadership and is kind of a veteran presence in that locker room. So very cool to see Mark Stahl uh, once again back with the Detroit Red Wings. But that will pretty much do it for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Give us a follow on Twitter as well, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcasts.